My name is Matthew Huffman. And my name is Abigail Griffith. In this week's scripture, we will look at some of the many verses in the book of Proverbs that speak of human planning and God's guidance. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs 6.18 God hates hearts that make evil plans and feet that are quick to do evil. Proverbs 11.3 Those who do what is right are guided by their honest lives, but those who aren't faithful are destroyed by their lives. Proverbs 12.15 The way of foolish people seems right to them, but those who are wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15.22 Plans fail without good advice, but they succeed when there are many advisors. Proverbs 16.1-4 People make plans in their hearts, but the Lord puts the correct answers on their tongues. Everything a person does might seem to pure them, but the Lord knows why they do what they do. Commit to the Lord everything you do. Then he will make your plan succeed. The Lord works everything out to the proper end. Even those who do wrong were made for a day of trouble. Proverbs 16.9 In their hearts human beings plan their lives, but the Lord decides where their steps will take them. Proverbs 16.33 People cast lots to make decisions, but the outcome is established by the Lord. This is the word of God. You may be seated. I tell you, we have remarkable scripture readers in this church. Thank you, Matthew and Abby. It's just uh, such a blessing to be able to worship together with you. Uh, one of the verses that I want to center um, all of our thinking about this morning that was read to us by Matthew and Abby is uh, Proverbs 16.9 that has two parts. Human beings are to plan their lives. All right. But the Lord decides where their steps will take them. All right. Now the question that I think throughout my entire ministry I've been asked most often when I have question and answer times it has to do with God's guidance in our lives where God would have us to go what he'd have us to do in fact just a few weeks ago I had the privilege of meeting for lunch with a group of our Lake Avenue Church interns most are college students and um, uh, I, I, we only had an hour so I wanted to leave the agenda up to them, and Pastor Annie Neufeld sort of was the moderator of this. And so we had a lot of different questions, but almost all the questions had to do with those matters of how can we be guided by God in this world? Uh, how do you make plans? How do you make decisions that actually honor God? So, so when we think about it, I mean, every day of our lives is a day that has countless decisions. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, this morning you got up, you had to decide whether you're going to get up and then decide what you're going to eat. Will I have toast or will I have eggs or whatever, or coffee or tea? And then you had to decide, well, I wear this shirt or that shirt. And then some days we have much bigger, it feels like, bigger uh, decisions. Uh, do you think I should get engaged today? Uh, should I sign up my child for soccer or ballet? It goes on and on and on in our lives. Should we retire this year or next year? Now, when you stop to think about it, most of those decisions that we make every day of our lives are not necessarily uh, choices between what is moral and immoral. 
Not, not necessarily a, a choice between what is right and wrong or legal or illegal. There are many options morally open to us. In the, I, I don't know if there's a moral decision if I choose whether to eat toast instead of cereal. I mean, most of the decisions that we make are not those kinds of decisions. Most of them are these kind of things where we want to make a wise decision. You know, the, the best kind of a choice. Or, as we so often put it in, in church, we wonder, God, how would you have me to live? What would you have me to do in this matter? Now, it, it's for those everyday choices of life that, that, that affect all of our lives and those around us that I think God inspired the book of Proverbs to be put in the Bible. It, it takes most of those moral issues for granted. Those are established in other places in the Bible, especially the first five books of the Old Testament. You know, the books of Moses, uh, the, the Torah. That's where you find, you know, the moral issues laid down. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. But, but when you get to the book of Proverbs, these things that we deal with every day, God, would you have me do this or this? How should I live wisely? Those are mostly addressed in the book of Proverbs. And in fact, I think that's why so many of us love the book of Proverbs, because more than any other book in the entire Bible, it speaks about these matters of God's guidance in those everyday choices we have to make. So that we're, today we're going to pull back and just think about that larger issue of, of the God who made this world actually guiding our lives and what it says in the book of Proverbs. So first of all, I looked at the, the word for Proverbs it, it, written in Hebrew originally, the Hebrew word is tachbulah. So we're going to have a Hebrew lesson here, uh, tachbulah, and that word simply means a rope. It was a word that was used by sailors and by fishermen uh, when they'd have their boats out on the Sea of Galilee. And it was like this, except I'm sure they were stronger ropes than this one. This rope can only bear about 60 pounds, I think. Most boats are going to need more than that, don't you think? But they would use boats for all sorts of things, mostly uh, to get to the place where they wanted to go, to navigate the waters, so that sometimes the rope would be used to lower the sails. Uh, when the wind was in their favor uh, to get where they were going to be going, sometimes when the wind would shift, uh, they would use the rope to, to change the sails so that they would still be able to be redirected and go to the destination that they were headed. And when the wind would really come up, uh, they would use the rope to tie down the sails so that the boat wouldn't be driven and even dashed by, by the waves that came. So you can see that, that a rope was so clearly uh, attached to this whole idea of navigating through whatever happened. Uh, bringing you to that place where you, you really knew that you should be going. And, and you can see how then the word rope soon became known as, as the word for gui guidance. For guidance. And that's why I've called this message today about God's guidance, how to navigate through life. Because don't we have a lot of times where we sense that's where I should be going, but sometimes there's a curveball or, or a wind that comes out of the wrong direction. And so we need to have sometimes some guidance from God to redirect our lives and, and to help take us through uh, winds that are blowing in our face or sometimes through storms that come in our lives. And that's what I want us to think about today. Uh, how the book of Proverbs so practically speaks to us about making decisions 
that honor the Lord. It's going to be one of the simple messages. I'm going to take at the end of the message, boiling down a lot of the verses and just showing you some of the basic things that the Bible teaches us about seeking God's guidance. I'm going to start with two more difficult things. What have I called them? I've called them two essential starting points. When any Christian looks at the book of Proverbs, there are two big issues that I I want to address up front, and then we're going to get down to those practical pieces. The first one is this. The Bible keeps telling us that we human beings make plans. We make decisions. But at the same time, God determines the outcome. Both of those things the Bible teaches over and over again. You see it especially in chapter 16 of Proverbs, the very first verse. People make plans in their hearts. You remember in Hebrew, the heart is the place where decisions are made. The director So people make plans in their hearts. We would say in our brains probably. But the Lord at the end puts the correct answer on their tongues. He has the last word. Or, or in verse 9. In their hearts, human beings plan their lives. But the Lord decides their, where their steps are going to take them. And, and there are just so many verses in the book of Proverbs that drive that home. And not just in the book of Proverbs. You find them throughout the entire Bible. That God has created us as human beings in such a way that he gives us this... It's an awesome ability to make real choices. He gives us the opportunity to make real choices. That's the way that he's created us. You and I can make uh, choices that make a real difference in our lives and in this world. Uh, we're not robots. We're not victims of fate. Uh, you are, are responsible to make decisions. The Bible not only tells you that you're to make decisions, but you, it commands us to actually make plans and then to make decisions to bring those plans about. That, that we're accountable for those decisions. That God doesn't force us to do the foolish or the wise things. I don't know how many times I, ways I can put that, but you get the point, don't you? But at the same time, Usually in the very same breath, the Bible comes back and tells us that everything that happens through those choices is accountable to God. God is sovereign over everything, that he is not contingent upon the decisions that we make. So that you have places like um, chapter 16, verse 33. Uh, I think you heard Abby read this. Yes, we cast lots to make decisions. Seems so random, but... Everything they decide comes from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And and the Bible even tells us that even the bad decisions that we make, that God still can bring his plan out of them. That what we mean for evil, he can bring good out of this. So chapter 19, verse 21. People may have many plans in their hearts, but the Lord's purpose wins out in the end. Now, what do you think about that? When you hear these two sides, you and I make real choices. On the other side, God uh, is not contingent upon our choices. All thinking people have always had a question about that. Still do. Always will until we see the Lord. How do we put these two things together? That we make real choices that matter, but on the other side, God is still God. Uh, There are so many books that have been written about this over the centuries. I've read a lot of them. Not a one of them is intellectually satisfying. I'll just tell you. 
no matter what they say, I can see sort of philosophically how they go together, but sometimes I still, at the end of the day, find it so hard to put them together. So what am I going to say to you about this? I'm going to say to you the very same thing that Job said in, in Job chapter 11, that Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, and then into the New Testament, that, um, that Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 34, and, and it is essentially this, who can fathom? The ways, the mind, and the mysteries of God. We are mortals. He is not bound in ways that we are. And I'm just going to simply tell you that the Bible is consistent about this from beginning to end. that, that, That made in his image, you and I have the privilege, the responsibility of making decisions. But at the end of the day, God's plans are not going to be thwarted. Now, all followers of Jesus, I tell you, have found um, hope in both of those things. On one side, the fact that God gives us the ability to make real decisions gives meaning to our lives, that we're not products of fate. It really matters that you showed up here today. It really does. It really matters that you and I pray. It really matters when we live for God and when we walk away from God. The Bible tells us that our lives have meaning because God has created us so that we can make real decisions. But um, some of us do dumb things. Can I have a witness? (laughs) Some of us not only do dumb things, we do wrong things. And those wrong things affect our lives, infect people around us. And, 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 and they seem on the surface like they could thwart the very plans of God. But God says, no, I have a plan. And when I'm done, all things will be made new. All things will be made right. That he, even, that he will work all things together. I mean, all those things together for good, for his good. And for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So on one side, that means that our lives have meaning. But the fact that God says, I'm still God, is what gives us peace and hope in our lives. So that, so that if you have something that you've done in your past and you say, is my life eternally ruined? Is there really hope that God can use me mightily again? I tell you, yes, for God is God. So that's the first thing you just got to see. This is the kind of God reveals himself to be. I want you to hold on to it. He's awesome. <laughs> he has created you and me and he has created this world in such a way that we make real choices. Human beings make plans. We're, we're commanded to do so. Uh, but the outcome is God's. So that's the first thing I want you to see. Uh, the second thing is this. Not quite so intellectually difficult. The second thing is this. God commands us not to make evil plans. So in places like chapter 6 verse 18, God hates hearts that make evil plans. Now, I thought about putting this up here in church today. And I thought of what some of you might think. Uh, God commands us not to make evil plans. Are, are some of you thinking, well, Pastor Greg, that point is so obvious that I don't know why you have to make it. We're in church after all. Uh, of course, we expect you to say that God tells us not to make evil plans. Why are you wasting our time with that? Uh, and I can only tell you because the Bible does. Uh, knowing us... Uh, God has put into his word and many times in the book of Proverbs something like this Um, I have created you in my image and I've given you the opportunity to make real decisions but I know that that tug to make decisions that are wrong and they're evil 
will be so strong that sometimes you will make evil plans. And I want to warn you not to do that. God's word does so, I do the same. Uh, If you're feeling some sort of a, a beginning toward using that mind that God has given you to make evil plans, how can you know when you're headed down a wrong path with this? May I tell you what I think is the surest way of knowing? Uh, you'll begin to hide things. You'll begin to hide things. Do you remember when, when people first sinned in Genesis chapter 3? The first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned? They hid. And we've been hiding ever since. Uh, those of us who are parents, we know how this works out with our kids. When they start hiding things, we know something's wrong. When you walk into the room and they, boom, they shut off the computer screen... You know something's going on. When you, when you go and you finally start locking the door, or getting really upset when you walk into the room, you, you start, well, something's going wrong. We've got to get in there and find out what's happening because when we hide things, plans are being made that are not going to lead to anything that is good. Oh, isn't it so wonderful for those of us who are no longer kids at home that we hit a point where we don't hide things anymore? Aren't, aren't, you, aren't you happy about I'll tell you, until the Lord comes, we're going to feel that strong tug. And so the, the Word of God tells us, when, when we talk about guidance, I, we dare not ignore this fact, that, that we tend to use the minds that God has given us, this capability to make decisions God has given us, to walk away from God rather than toward Him. So I'll just ask you, as the Word of God does, is there anything you're hiding? Is there anything you're hiding from your family, your friends? Maybe from this, you would just never want to share with your small group at church. Uh, today, get that thing right with God. Open that thing up before Him. Um, make sure that you deal with that right now because it's only then that you can really find the life that God would have you to have. Uh, Proverbs 16.25 puts it so clearly. There is a way that seems right to us. And he's suggesting that 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 is a way away from God. It seems right. That seems to be the way I can really live, we think. But when it's away from God, the end of it is going to lead to death. Mark it down. I want you to follow a path that leads to life. All right, so that brings us to God's, or the book of Proverbs, advice for navigating uh, through, through the life he's given us. Now, these are very, they're just four pieces of advice. I, I've taken all of the verses in Proverbs and tried to boil them down. And uh, so let's, let's start into that. You're standing before a, a, a decision that you have to make. Where should you start? Step number one, advice number one from the book of Proverbs is stop for a while. Take some time specifically for prayer and for reflection. One of the most beloved uh, passages in the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, we're going to have a whole message on this at the end, but just look at it briefly right now. Many of you have memorized it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Again, this inner being of you that directs your path. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, and then the Hebrew word is first acknowledge that God is there and that he is God. In all your ways, when you're making these decisions, acknowledge that God is God and seek him. And he will direct your path. One one of the things I notice about that great passage is first, he doesn't say throw away your mind. He doesn't tell you to throw away your understanding. 
that when we truly seek for what is right and true, we'll always end up with Jesus who is the truth. So what he tells us to do is to stop for a while and acknowledge that God is there. For us now that Jesus has come, uh, the acknowledgement is that the Spirit of God is dwelling in our hearts and that there is nowhere that we can go that God is not. So take time to acknowledge that, that God is there and surrender intentionally and consciously the decision that you have to make the way that you're going to be going to Him. He will direct. He, he will have that rope that leads you in the way that uh, is a way of true life. Now, I have found that to do that, I sometimes have to just stop what I'm doing for a while. And, and I've found I even have to get away from the place where I am, sometimes just for a, few, a little while, sometimes longer. You can get away for a day or, or, or for, for a retreat. But in the midst of, of the busyness of life, just to stop for a while and, and to think, I've, I've got to get a different way of being with the Lord. And, and so I try to do this, and some of you have caught me doing it. Um, I go down the stairs from my office and I just walk around the church and then come back, back up. Or some of you said, Pastor Greg, I saw you walking down Lake Avenue. Many of you have told me this. And that's what I'm doing. I just go down. I just got to get a different place. Sometimes when I even have less time than that, I just walk out of one room and sit in a different chair. It, it's not that God needs me to be in a different chair, but I need to be in a different chair. And mostly I've got to get away from that phone and from that computer screen for just a second. And I find that when I stop for a while and get into a new place and acknowledge God's presence, all sorts of things happen. I, I carry a sheet of paper with me, and I stop, and, I, and often God brings back things to my memory that I have forgotten. Sometimes a lot of stuff gets to be, begins to settle in just a little bit into my mind. I make note of these things. Uh, my assistant Tiffany often finds those scribbled pieces of paper. Sometimes she'll photocopy them because she'll think, maybe there's something actually important here. I, I think she must think that. But uh, I find that to be so important. And you think, especially busy people, you think, um, that's going to take a lot more time. And I tell you, it doesn't seem like it takes a lot more time. It, it, and I'll come back to this again. It seems like it provides more time. Because it, when you make bad decisions, it, it takes so long to clean up after them, doesn't it? Have to get back on the phone and apologize for, for, for this sort of thing. So that's where the Bible just steps in and says, stop for a while. Find a place where you can acknowledge, God, you are here and I want to honor you. Seek, I'm going to seek your way. Uh, it starts there. Uh, then second. Book of Proverbs, in many places, tells us to take the time also to gather as many of the facts. We'll never get them all. We're not God. But so many of the facts and perspectives that we can. And then take some time to reflect on things from a broader point of view. I've been so surprised as I've gone back through Proverbs this summer. How often God warns us of being in a hurry in our decision making and in our planning. That, that often really bad decisions... And bad plans come out of having inadequate or bad information. Uh, we have a lot of people who are in different parts of the legal world. You'll understand this one, Proverbs 18.7. So the first to plead a case seems right. Until another comes and examines him. 
Hasn't that happened to you at times? Sometimes uh, two friends will be fighting and you get to be with one of the friends and you'll hear the, 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 the issue from one friend and you say, oh, that other person is a real rotter. It's all that other person's fault. Until you talk to that other person and you say, oh, oh, there's, there's more to this than I thought. Almost every instance of marriage counseling I've ever been involved in has, has been like that. So we need to take time to gather more information than we would have simply on our own. Uh, and, and the Bible tells us not to rush into this or to speak too quickly. So chapter 18, verse 13. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. And the Bible keeps telling us, too, that when we rush into decision making, instead of getting all the facts and getting broader perspectives, the end is never good. And I especially think powerful and probably compelling for most of us is chapter 21, verse 5. Those in a hurry will become poor. Is that enough for you to not be in a hurry? (laughs) And once again, it it feels like it takes more time, but it doesn't. John Wooten, who who could put a lot of Proverbs in here, I think, you know, the basketball coach, famed Beth from from UCLA, would would always say, be quick, but never in a hurry. Be, be quick when it, never in a hurry. I, I just want you to know that when you have decisions to make, especially the bigger ones, don't rush unnecessarily. I know that there are many decisions that come where eventually we've got to make the decision. Uh, the kind of positions God has put me in in my life, there's so many times when I know by this point the decision has to be made. But even saying that, I've always found that there is time to stop and to gather the facts, to listen, to, to, to say, I'm only getting things from one perspective, and then to be able to take time to think deeply about the matters. Again, I think you find that it takes less time to do this than to rush into a, a decision that then you have to, to work behind the things that you didn't gain after the fact, the things that you didn't get ahead of the fact. Uh, one of my uh, authors, I, I quote him often, is G.K. Chesterton. He has one uh, statement that could also make it into the Proverbs. He said, one of the great disadvantages of hurry is that it takes such a long time. <laughs> I think you can mark that down. I, I'm not going to add to the Bible, but, but I could see that being one of the disadvantages of hurry. just takes a long time. Uh, what, what happens is when you take time to, uh, to listen, to process things, and then to bring those back to God, what people begin to see in us is, is much more of a calmness instead of always wondering and being harried. Uh, J.B. Phillips, the Bible commentary uh, writer, uh, after uh, doing uh, one of his commentaries, looked at the life of Jesus and wrote this beautiful thing. I think he's right about this. He said, it is refreshing to study the poise and quietness of Jesus. His tasks and responsibilities might well have driven a person out of his mind. But Jesus was never in a hurry, never impressed by numbers, never a slave of the clock. That's the second thing. Take some time to gather the facts, get perspectives. Let them settle. Third, as a conscious part of that, seek counsel. Do it from trusted family members if you have some. Be be sure to do it from godly friends. I pray you have some. And the biggest thing I'd want to say is from your church community. 
There's a reason why God has brought you into your church family. So we need to open up our lives to one another and seek his ways together. I, I am so struck about how often in this matter of you and me seeking guidance, the Bible says one of the main ways is that we, he will send into our lives good advisors. It's almost as if he says, I'm going to give you this awesome ability to make decisions. And I'm going to give you another great gift. I'm going to give you one another. I'm going to give you relationships. But you've got to open up your lives. You've got to open up these decisions to one another. Ask people to pray for you and to speak into that issue. I'll just show you a few of the verses. There are so many. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of foolish people seems right to them. You know, you get this first thing. Oh, I'll just do that. But... Those who are wise, listen to advice. Or chapter 15, verse 22. Plans fail without good advice, but they succeed when there are many advisors. And then when you recognize that the root of many of the Proverbs is almost certainly King Solomon. This one especially, I think, is relevant. Chapter 24, verse 6, because I'm sure he had to deal with battle often. If you're in a battle, you surely need guidance. If you want to win, you need many good advisors. Now, I've thought about this. A significant way that God has guided me throughout my entire life has been through the counsel of friends and of his people. Uh, I thought back to when I um, was in high school, a senior in high school. I so much wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> I should ask some of your lawyers if I made a bad choice by going the direction. <laughs> I so much wanted to be a lawyer. I'd already gone up in summers to West Virginia University to take some courses getting me ready then to come in and do that. When some of the church people began speaking into my life saying, Greg, we've just watched you and we think you have the call of God to be a pastor and, and the gifts to do so. And here I still am. I, that's, you have advisors that, that direct and redirect your life. I was thinking, too, of one of the more fun ones is uh, uh, when my parents first met Chris, my, my father had some very subtle advice that he gave me about her. He said, if you let her get away, you have a hole in your head. I'll never, uh, I'll never forget that. Chris, you remember that well. And... Uh, that was a good motivation, I, I'm telling you. And he was absolutely right. And that's continued on, uh, whether it's through family or through church or through friends. You know, in, in more recent major decisions, uh, my decision back a number of years ago to leave being a pastor to, to go be a university president came about because of so much counsel. I, I felt ill-suited for that job. At the end of the day, God sent former pastor here, Paul Cedar, uh, together with others, but especially Paul, who came and said, I sense that God is in this. I was praying about you, and the Spirit of God brought your face to my mind. Just take the first step, put your hat in the ring, and see where God leads. And so I followed the advice, and, and he led uh, some of you know that I've told you this before, that, that years later, 10, 11 years later, I got this out of the blue call from Paul Cedar. I was with a group of friends at this church that I love. And as we were praying, the spirit of God brought your face to my mind. Why don't you just take the first step, put your hat in the ring and see how God leads? And, and so I did. And so here we are. And so much of God's leading has been that way. Uh, I, I just want to affirm to you that those who are wise seek godly counsel. So we've got to set aside time and acknowledge God's presence, commit our ways to him, wanting our ways to be his ways. 
uh, take some time to gather information, get broader perspectives than we might have on our own. Uh, especially think about the relationships he has given us of people that you watch and trust who walk with the Lord, seek uh, godly counsel, and then eventually a decision has to be made, right? A plan has to be established. And so what, what I see in the book of Proverbs is that once you've made that decision and it's consistent with his morality and it's consistent with the advice and the prayer that you've had, then once the plan is made, once the decision falls, stick with it. And 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 And... Uh, set your eyes on it and let God direct you and redirect you through all the winds that are going to come when, when at first that decision may be a challenging one. The, I bring us back to chapter 21, verse 5. The plans of people who, and it's a hard word to translate, work diligently. It means stick to it. See where they're supposed to go. They keep headed in that direction. Once you've sought God, they succeed. But you can be just as sure that those in a hurry will become poor. Uh, that verse, chapter, uh, chapter 21, verse 5, coming where it does in the book of Proverbs, I think it presupposes everything I've already talked to you about. That we have taken the time to acknowledge God and to seek His ways. That we've taken time to, to get some perspectives and then to seek godly counsel. A decision has to fall. And so we make it. And when we do, He says, work diligently. Work the plan to get to that end diligently. And you will see that God will be there. Um, it's so practical at times the way the Bible puts it. Chapter 20, verse uh, chapter 24, verse 27, kind of gives us a description of a man who has sought God and, and discerned that he's supposed to build a house. And yet there's a lot that leads up to that. So Proverbs just puts it this way. Number one, put your outdoor work in order. Number two, get your fields ready. And then after that, build your house. You know, set the plans that get you to that end. I find so much practical wisdom in that. And I think it's important for us, I think especially as American Christians, uh, to think about this fact that once we discern that God has led us to do something, to continue on with that. Because I'll tell you, if the, the decision that we make is really from God, then the ways of God clash with the ways of this world often. Sometimes you'll make a decision that you just know God would have you to do it, and it becomes harder for a while rather than, than easier, right? Have you experienced that? Because light clashes with darkness. And one of the things that's troubled me, my many years of being a pastor, is hearing so many people say to me, Pastor Greg, one day they'll say this, Pastor Greg, uh, the Lord has shown me that I should be doing this. And then a week later they're doing something else. It happens all the time. It just seems to me that, that we're sort of built that it has to happen immediately. And if we go down a path and, it, and it's hard for a while, we, we just say, no, I'm going to go down a different path. And God says, no, no, once you've, you've discerned the direction you're supposed to go, work it diligently, head in that, in that direction. Um, our role is first to seek him. And then at the end, when the difficulty comes, so many times you have to look back and remember that even though the decision is ours, at the end of the day when we've sought him, it really is God who determines where it goes. And we trust him. What, what I'm trying to talk about is, I think the, the book of Proverbs is wanting us to develop a way of life in which we surrender just small and greater decisions in this way to the Lord. It's what last week, if you were here, John and Jessica and Emma and Sophie Seacrest were talking to us about. 
Do you remember Jessica made this point so clearly? She said, when John and I were dating, we made a covenant to one another that we would seek the Lord together as a couple and learn to discern his guidance together. And so they were doing that. Then when God gave them children and they had Sophie and Emma with them, they've been doing that. They've been doing that for many, many years. And God has led them into sometimes very unusual places so that when they came to this decision... They were able to discern it because it was the same way God had led before. And now that they're going into a place where I'm telling you, they're being ripped out of what would be most of our natural comfort zones. You know, as long as you're a pastor here, you have a lot of people to stand with you and even to give to the offering plate so that you can survive. They're going to plant a church. Uh, it, It just seems like they should have no confidence at all. They have utter confidence. I had lunch with John this past week. And the confidence has come because they followed the Lord this way before and he has provided and they know he will again. See, it's it's a way of life. It's a way of life that I would encourage us all to begin to adopt because uh, once we have done all this, we've acknowledged the Lord, we've gathered the facts, we've taken that time to process it, we've sought godly counsel, uh, when, when we say, okay, a decision has to come, then our responsibility at that point is to head in the direction that we sense God would have us to go and to keep looking at his word and, and seeking prayer about how we get into that direction, get to that goal, and to faithfully believe that God will bring us to the place that he has led us to make the decision to go. I, I'll just tell you... Um, now that I've had so many years of walking with the Lord this way, God does lead you down some paths you, you, you never would have expected. Amen? <laughs> he leads you uh, into places you would never in a billion years have chosen. <laughs> I remember that first time in Chicago, just sensing in this way God's guidance, walking into Cabrini Green and the projects in Chicago and thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> With my West Virginia accent, 18-year-old white boy, what am I doing here? And God just sort of saying, I'm here with you. Wait till you see. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, um, it's a thrilling way to live life. It's a, it's a challenging way to live life. But it's a way that provides the security and peace and meaning that I think the, the Bible wants us to have. As we live this life where he gives us the mind to be able to make choices, he is there with us to make sure that those choices fulfill his plans in us and through us. All right, those sailors, they had a rope to be able to navigate the boat through the Sea of Galilee and whatever storms came up. God has given us a lot of better guidances, don't you think? He's given us his spirit dwelling within our hearts. He's given us his word that provides, you know, the sort of parameters and directives that we can have. He's even given us one another to be able to provide counsel for each other and says, do that and then then obey and follow. Go to that place that I would have you to go and you will see that I will do things that you never could have asked or even imagined and it will be to his glory. So I'm going to leave you again with that verse with which we started. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Human beings are to make plans. Thank you, Lord, for that gift you've given us. But thank you, too, that the Lord decides 
where those steps will take us. And it will always be to his glory. Amen. 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 Let me lead us in prayer.